If you were to ask any parent with multiple children, hey, who's your favorite? They would say in public and hopefully in private, we don't have a favorite. We love all of our children equally, right? If you were to ask a son or a daughter who has a brother or a sister, uh, does your parent have a favorite? They would say, absolutely. Absolutely they have a favorite. And some would say, I'm it. And other people would point to their sibling and say, no, he's it or she is it. Oftentimes in our house, uh, I will tell my little six-year-old daughter, you are uh, my favorite daughter. You're my favorite daughter. I would tell her that for, for weeks and months and even for years now. One day, one of my uh, boys said to Amelia, do you know the only reason that dad is telling you that is because you are the only daughter, right? And I could tell she started thinking in her mind, like she started connecting the dots and going, oh wait, that's, that's right. And so now I tell Amelia, Amelia, you are my favorite daughter. And she looks at me and says, dad, you are my favorite dad. Uh, do, I don't have a lot of competition. Uh, do, you, do you ever wonder if God has favorites? Do you ever wonder if God has favorites? I, I know we would not say that God has favorites, but do you ever look around and think to yourself, boy, it's, it seems like he's pretty lucky. It seems like she's blessed. Uh, that person seems to be uh, God's favorite. Earlier this week, I was looking through my message notes, and I had that question posed on a sheet of paper, and Cademan, my oldest son, looked at it and said, no. He's like, no, God doesn't have favorites. He doesn't have favorites. But the interesting thing is, is if you were to ask a Jew roughly 2,000 years ago, does God have favorites, they would tell you, yes. Yes, we are his favorites. We are the apple of his eye. If he were to pull out his phone and show you pictures, it would have our face on there. He, he loves us the best. He loves us the most. Uh, we are his favorite. You know, that was a prevalent thought and belief at the time, and even people who uh, started following Jesus believed that. But one day, there was a leader, an apostle, someone who knew and loved Jesus, who was confronted with the fact, with the belief that God doesn't play favorites. Uh, that, that God, in fact, is not a God of just a, a select few uh, but God is the God of the nations, that God isn't just the God of uh, the Jews, but that God is the God of uh, the Gentiles. Uh, here at Christ Point, we want to point people to Jesus, and one of the ways that we do that is by engaging all people, engaging all people. And so this morning, I want to paint a picture uh, for you and for us of what it looks like uh, to engage all people. If you have your Bibles uh, please turn with me to Acts chapter 10. Uh, Acts chapter 10. If you uh, don't have a copy of the scriptures with you, you can pull out your phone, uh, follow along online. There'll just be a couple of these verses up on the screen this morning, but we're going to look at a, at a, a pretty uh, hefty portion of scripture and walk through it uh, together. And I just want to highlight a couple things uh, for you as we walk uh, through it this morning. The book of Acts is... Uh, records for us the beginnings of uh, the early church, the spread of the gospel. We are, we're told early in the book of Acts that the gospel is for uh, the nations. It's not just for your home, it's for your neighborhood, not just for your neighborhood, 
but for your town or for your city, not just for your town or city, but for uh, your state, not just for your state, but for the country and for uh, the world. This promise is given uh, that God would empower his people to take the gospel out. And the book of Acts records just that. It records the gospel going out with power because the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, miraculous things start happening and taking place. Uh, God begins to grow the church. Uh, someone like Stephen in Acts chapter 7 uh, is the first Christian martyr. We read about this sketchy character, Saul, who's miraculously saved by God. The scales from his eyes are taken off. And, uh, and here in Acts chapter 10, we're told a story of a familiar character in the New Testament, a gentleman by the name of Peter, uh, who was a follower of Jesus, also happened uh, to be a Jew, and he has an interaction uh, with a man named Cornelius. And Cornelius was significant in the story because Cornelius was not a Jew. Cornelius was a Roman, Roman centurion. So he was a leader of likely a hundred, if not more, uh, soldiers. You can't get any more uh, non-Jewish than a Roman soldier or leader. And then Peter, on the other hand, is, is a Jew. And so I want to read this story together in Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. It says, At Caesarea uh, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually uh, to God. So Cornelius is a spiritual uh, man. Uh, verse 3 says, About the ninth hour of the day he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and, and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. Uh, when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So this doesn't happen every day, right? Now, can we agree? This, this, is, this is unique. This is a unique experience. Cornelius is spending time with the Lord. He sees a vision uh, in his vision. It's like, I want you to go uh, to Peter. I want you to go to this man Peter. And so Cornelius kind of comes through, he comes out and he's like, all right, Lord, uh, I'm going to send people to go get Peter and I'm going to send alongside of these two men a soldier. Meanwhile, Peter also has this miraculous experience uh, with the Lord. It says in verse 9 of Acts chapter 10, the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a, a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air, and there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. 
But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time and said, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Okay, so, so God's clearly working in the hearts and lives of these two men. Right? Cornelius is, is told in a, in a vision, I want you to go and get Peter. Uh, Peter is, is, is out, goes into this trance, has this, this vision. He sees the sheet coming down from heaven with all of these animals. You have to understand this is significant because for a Jew, there were certain things that they could eat and there were certain things that they couldn't eat. And, and it wasn't just dietary restrictions that they set up for themselves so they could lose a few pounds. But you didn't talk to a Jew who said, well, I'm gluten intolerant and so I just, I kind of stay away. Or I'm doing Whole30. I'm doing Whole30. No carbs, no sugars, no dairy. I'm just I got five I'm trying to drop, and so I want to stay away for some foods. No, for them, it was like a holiness issue. It was a holiness issue. So there were some things that for them was like, it was, like, you don't touch that. Right? You don't eat that. That's not part of your diet. Well, one day Peter sees this sheet coming from heaven with this stuff that normally for him as a Jew, he would look at and go, that's unclean. I don't touch that. I don't go near that. And, and three times, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Right? And everything within him as a Jew would go, oh, no, 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 no. No, I don't do that. I don't do that. And God's going, no, 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 take it. Kill it. Eat it. Peter does not understand the symbolism uh, at work in his vision. Uh, he, he doesn't understand what God, at least at this moment, what God is doing in his heart, in his life, and what he is doing uh, for the nations. Right? So the story continues. Now while Peter, this is verse 17, now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. So the people that Cornelius sent to go get Peter, they've arrived, right? They've, they've come. Verse 18, they called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Verse 21, Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? Why are you here? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well-spoken by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them uh, to be his guests. You see what's, what's taking place? I know this is I mean, a large portion of Scripture, but Cornelius has this vision, go send people to get Peter. Peter simultaneously sees this vision from heaven, the sheet with his food, take it, kill it, eat it. Men come to the door, knock on the door. They're like, we're here. Peter's like, why are you here? Who are you? They're like, Cornelius sent us. Apparently, uh, you have a message for us. Scripture goes on. Acts 10, 23. The next day he rose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. 
Cornelius was expecting them, and he called together his relatives and his, and his close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. I love Peter's response, but Peter lifted him up and said, Stand up. I too am a man. Come, I'm just a guy. I'm just a dude. You don't, don't worship me. It says in verse 27, and he talked with them, and he went in and found many persons gathered. Now, verse 28, verses th- uh, 34, 35 are really the linchpin of this story, right? This is where uh, Peter's uh, perspective and even Cornelius, uh, in a certain sense, gets completely altered or changed. The way they operated, the way they functioned is completely upset. Right, verse 28 says, And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I shall not call any person common or unclean. Right? In other words, you know that we're not supposed to be running together. We're not supposed to be hanging out with each other. We're not supposed to be rubbing shoulders, having conversations, sitting down at the same table. We're supposed to function in such a way that you do your thing and I do my thing. We separate from one another. We, we do not come together to do life uh, together, right? And so, so verse 28 is huge. God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Verse 29, so I, when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why, why you sent for me? Cornelius tells the story of what happened to him. And then he says in verse 34, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And then, and then he, in essence, preaches or teaches the gospel. Right? So he says God is a God who engages all people. God is a God who engages the nations. Right? And when, when I say that, I'm not suggesting that, that, God, um, that God does not call us to faith. He calls us to faith. He calls us into a relationship with him. Verse 36, as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are his witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him appear, not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him uh, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone who believes in him. Everyone. Everyone who believes. Right, so, so God shows no uh, partiality. Oftentimes it's easy for us to function in such a way that we think that God has favorites. 
Right? And maybe we don't verbalize it, maybe we don't say it out loud, but historically it has proven true. And in our heart of hearts, oftentimes we function as if we believe that it is true. Right? But Scripture teaches us that God is not just for uh, the upper class. Right? God is not just for the middle class. God is not just for the lower class. God is not just for those who seem like they have no class. Right? God, is, God is for the nations. He's not just for the rich or just for the poor. He's not just for the PhD, but he's for the GED. Right? He's, he's not just for white suburbanites. Right? He's, he's for folks who live on the other side of the tracks than us, right? God is a God of the nations, and so we want to be a people who engage all people, right? Because the gospel is for all people. Uh, we want to be a people who engage all people, Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 says, Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. We want to engage people uh, within our church walls. Right? The, the people that God sends to us on Sunday morning we believe that God is calling us to move into uh, their hearts and into uh, their lives. But, but not just here. It's true of our neighborhoods. It's true of our sports teams. It's true of our schools. It's true of our places of business, uh, where we work, where we operate, where, where we uh, spend time. Right? So we want to encourage our people to take initiative in engaging those God has directed to attend on Sunday mornings, both regular uh, regular attendees and uh, guests. You see, we really believe that if you are here this morning, that God has given to you a story. Right? You have a story in your story. What God has done or what God is doing in your hearts and in your life is significant. And even if you're here this morning and you would readily admit, listen, I, I don't consider myself a Christian. I've studied the claims of Jesus or I'm contemplating the claims of Jesus or I'm interested in the claims of Jesus, but you wouldn't describe yourself necessarily as a Christian. We really believe that, that God has a plan and a purpose uh, for, for you. We believe that your story is uh, significant. Your story is significant. You are created in the image of God. You have intrinsic value and worth, and so you are sitting next to a masterpiece of God. You're sitting next to a masterpiece of God. I, I do not love staying up late. Um, I, I like being in bed at a reasonable time, and when I say reasonable, like no later than 10. Right? Call me old-fashioned, man. Nothing good happens after 10. And so, like, Melissa was laughing at me the other day. I was out yesterday night, and I came home, and I put on my flannel pajama bottoms and my, my flannel top and my, my warm slippers, and I was just in the kitchen doing something, and I turn around, and she's got her phone out. She took a picture of me. She's like, here's my husband getting ready for the winter. It's 65, 
and I'm just like, I'm getting ready for bed. I'm winding down, nothing good happens. So I don't see a lot of things that happen uh, late at night. Like the late night talk shows that everyone talks about, I, I don't get to share, but every once in a while I see something online and I go, but that's funny, I like that, that's cool. A guy that I enjoy seeing little clips from is Jimmy Fallon. You like Jimmy Fallon? Whatever, you don't have to like him. That's fine, I think he does some funny stuff. Uh, one of the things that I love that he does uh, is the, uh, the subway performances. Have you seen the subway performances? Jimmy Fallon goes in costume with a famous musician like Adam Levine. I guess the ladies like him, whatever. Um, Maroon 5, he's pretty popular. He dresses up in a costume, isn't recognizable. And they go into the subway, New York City subway. And they set up their little band in the subway in New York City. And I love watching the videos because, like, for the longest time, people are just, like, they're walking by and they're just, like, they ain't got, they ain't got time for it. They're playing their little guitar or hitting little drums or whatever. And people in the subway, they got places to go and people to meet. They are on the move. They got to go get a pretzel or they got to go have dinner. Or they're, they're trying to get home. They got to go out to a show. They're doing whatever New Yorkers do. And so they don't have time for the people in front of them. So they're just walking by. Just think about that for a second. Or think about like your favorite musician or think about um, the, the greatest rock and roll band in the history of mankind, U2. Uh, okay, and they're in the subway and they're in costume uh, and they're playing and everyone is just walking by. But you know what happens is eventually uh, someone notices. Eventually someone goes, wait a second. They, they notice them. They, they hear a voice. They, they can see them somehow behind the costume. And it starts to set in, wait a second, like I'm five feet away from someone famous. So what happens? Out comes the phone and they start recording. And then after a minute or two, they take off their costumes, they take off their disguise, and people just start flooding over because they want to hear the great musicians. All right, well, the person sitting next to you is a masterpiece of God, right? And when you come here, if you roll on by and you don't say hello, if you don't stop and go, wait a second, I think I see something, I think I see something, you have a story, right? If you don't do that, if I don't do that, we're missing out. Man, we're missing out because we are this close. Like, we are this close to a masterpiece. We're this close. And all too often, we miss it. Because we're just, we're just doing our thing. We're just walking on by. And, and I just wonder if we're not walking by some incredibly beautiful stories of God's grace. As, as a church, we want to, to be a, a people uh, who learn to engage the person right in front of us. Right in front of us. In order to point people to Jesus, we must take initiative to engage people that God has placed in our path. Right? That, that's true of all of us. Right? It's not just true of the extroverts. Hear me? 
not a good excuse. I don't think we can stand before the God of the universe and go, I just, I don't, I'm not all going. I don't think we can do that. Like, you don't have to run for mayor. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to shake every hand and kiss every baby. Like, you know, I just, I mean, God's made us different and gifted us uniquely. All those things are true. But you know what? Like, every day you're, you're walking by, every day you're walking by, like, beautiful masterpieces like Van Gogh's and Monet's and, and they're right in front of your eyes and they're right in front of my eyes and so as, as a people as a church we want to engage the person uh, who is in front of us are you willing to do that are you willing to do that are you willing to go you know what I'm I'm in I'm in I'm in I'll, I'll, I'll do that I'll do that. I'm going to come on Sunday morning and I'm going to go, God, just, like, just give me one. Like, open my eyes. Help me uh, to see the person in front of me. Are you, are you willing to go? I'm going to create that kind of culture uh, here at Christ Point. I want, to, I want to be the kind of person that, that moves out and engages the people that God uh, sends my way. We want to do that uh, well here uh, inside these walls. We also want to do it well outside these walls. Uh, we want to be a people who partner with others who are engaging their communities. Right? We want to do that in our neighborhoods, at, at our work, with uh, our sports teams, with our fellow students. We want to do that here, but we also want to do it out there. Right? It's not either or, it's both and. So as a church, uh, we partner with great organizations in our community. Uh, an organization like Young Life, who's pouring into the hearts and lives of students. Uh, we've, we've partnered with an organization like Cabarrus Women's Center uh, who are fighting and trumpeting life. We're like, hey, we want to come alongside of you. We want to cheer for you, encourage you, uh, su- support you. So we want to do that here, right here. We, we want to do that in our immediate community, and we want to do that around the world, right? Because God is a global God, and so we partner with organizations that minister in places uh, like Bolivia and Honduras and Colombia and Cuba and Italy, because we believe that God is the God of the nations. And what we're doing right here, they're, they're doing out there, and so we're coming alongside of them. But, but listen, uh, it, it is not an either-or. It's not an either-or. Uh, I really believe it is a both-and. It's a both-and, right here and out there. But, but listen, if we can't do in here well, we're not going to do out there well. Right? If, we, if we can't do in here well, we're not going to do out there well. We need to love our people well. I heard a, a great story earlier this week from a, uh, a, a gentleman who's been a part of the church, not for a long period of time, but he just was talking about his experience in this place. And he said, James, I have to tell you, um, this is one of those good stories that's going to make us look good. So kudos to y'all, just so you know what's coming. Uh, he's like, I've never been a part of, of a place that is so loving before. He's like, me and my family, like, we've just been, we've just been loved on. Right? And, and as he was saying that, the, the gentleman sitting next to him, I know for a fact, uh, is the one that initiated that. There have been others who have come along, but I, but I know that there was a couple that said, hey, we're going we're gonna to press in. We're going to press in. We're going to invite them in. We're going to pursue them. We're going to chase after them. We're going we're gonna to let them be a part of our hearts and our lives, and we're going to invite them into our world. And they've just loved them well. And I thought, man, like, that's beautiful. And that's beautiful. So, so what would it look like if each and every one of us did that? I ran 
across a quote recently that said, one person cannot change the world, but one person can change the world of one. I, lo- I love that. Sometimes when I think about changing the world, that, that just seems like a lot. <laughs> I'm like, holy smokes, like I'm just trying to make it through the week. And you're talking to me about changing the world. That, that's a lot. I, I don't think I can do that, but maybe, just maybe, you can change the world for one person. So what would it look like for as, as, as a church if all of us had that mindset and mentality that said, you know what, I just gotta, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the world for one. I'm going to change the world for one. So when I come on Sunday morning, I'm going I'm to look for the one that I don't know, who I haven't had a conversation with, and I'm just going to uh, initiate. I'm going to engage them. I'm going to say, I don't, you know, I don't know if we've met yet or not. I mean, you you're not familiar to me. I'm, I'm really bad with names. I'm so sorry. I've seen you before. I don't remember your, your name. I'm, I'm James. Like, t- like tell, me, tell me your name. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Corey. Corey, I don't know if I remember your name. I've seen you around. No, we, we, we just do this. We, we, we come across people that we don't know or we haven't met and, and people that we do know and we have met. And we just say, how are you doing? Like, it's so, it's so good to see you. And we, we engage uh, the person in front of us because the, the person in front of us is, man, is a masterpiece. They're, they're a masterpiece. And they're only a few feet from us. So what would it look like if we had a culture, if we were a church uh, who did this well, who pointed people to Jesus by engaging all people. And let's pray and ask for the Lord to make it so. God, I want that um, for, for us. I want to I be that kind of church. I want the story that uh, I heard earlier this week to be the story of each and every single person who calls this place home. God, help us to do that. We are We are human beings. We have limitations. We can't be that for everyone, but we can be that for one. And so help us uh, by your strength, by your grace, by your spirit, help us uh, to be that for one. I will give you all the honor and all the praise and all the glory for it. God, we love you so much. We thank you that you loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.